Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Derek Thomas episode number 55 of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. So, I was told earlier today that I kind of had a, a redneck Barry White vibe going because I got this voice that I'm recovering from the crud. So, bear with me tonight. It's not like the audio issue we had a few episodes back <laughs> when I was back. Where you, you doctored your I was, voice. <laughs> I used my, my Bluetooth earpod, ear, earbuds that day, and I really sounded like Barry White unintentionally. So, I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, coming in live from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with my esteemed, infamous colleague, Drew Gann, welcome to the podcast, sir. What's up, Rusty? I've hoped you, I hope you have a good week. I hope you don't ruin this podcast by snotting all over the place. <laughs> but my real beef with you so far is that, you know, Derek Thomas, the late, great Derek Thomas, uh, he deserves a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. He is an, one of the first number 55s that you think yeah. of, but you've got to think outside of the box. Michael Waltrip was my next one, man. I came real close to going Michael oh, Waltrip. Michael Waltrip, that had been a good one. You know, Dikembe Mutombo mm-hmm. episode. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a good one. But... But um, the one you you really missed a golden opportunity by not making it the Sammy Hagar episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The it. Sammy Hagar episode of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you, Buckets. Yeah, man. So uh, tell me the you give me your Bucks best. <sighs> you, I know you're chomping at the bit. You said you had a good one, and I just can't wait. I do, man. I'm so stoked. So, like, you know, when you have, like, good accomplishments or you achieve something, you're excited. When your friends achieve things, you get really excited for them. But when it's your own flesh and blood, even though, like, I don't have kids, I don't know what that feels like, but the closest thing I got is my nephew. I've got the three best nephews in the world. Uh, no Disagree. no offense to anybody out there, but Ty Ryder and Finn are incredible. And Ty, my oldest nephew, is officially QB1 at Alcorn Central High School as a freshman. Oh, yes, as a sir. freshman. Let's go. Really? Yeah, he's starting hey. Friday night against Boonville. They're going to get dirt raced. Ooh. But Hey, <laughs> don't don't go into it with these kinds of things. I'm telling you, he is the white knight. Go, he is the God. savior of the, so. the paltry <laughs> poverty franchise of a high school that is Alcorn Central football. Yeah. I'm telling you, I graduated from Alcorn Central football. The students didn't even like go. No, uh, Central didn't beat us a in Kasu for like 20 problem. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no funny story. That's not true because the year oh. I moved, the year before I moved to Central, uh, Alcorn Central went to Kasu and beat That was us. after my time. Uh, I just want y'all to know. To our listeners, I was 3-0. But you the last 20 years. Uh, there was, a, there was yeah. like a 15, 20-year period where y'all didn't. I was 3-0 against Central. Thank you very much. But – um, but yeah, it's like it's like saying Ole Miss is three and zero against Vanderbilt. Listen, man, <laughs> it, it don't matter. There's a funny story about that about one of the football players that he'd sell his it was on. You remember what was it Rock 104 that used to be there in Corinth? Um, uh, what was it? It was Rock 107. Wizard 106. Wizard, it's one of the or, or, rock stations. That was the country. Yeah, station, it used to be downtown. Like State Farm offices now. Anyhow, yeah, I know. One of the football players went on there and said, "If we lose, wild 100 point That's it. Yeah. Went on there and said, if we lose to Kasuth, I will sell my car. And so, buddy, we called to that radio station every day that next week trying to get oh, that car. No. Nothing ever came of it. But anyway, <laughs> sidebar, shout out Ty Witten, QB1. I've already, we, I was texting him earlier. I was like, so when you score, are you going to gritty? You're going to squabble? We're going to spike? Like, what's the, what's the touchdown dance? He said he's still deciding. Oh, ooh, I got yeah. one. I got one. Do the pee, the dog pee. <laughs> then they can get the piss and miss part two. <laughs> yeah. Do the dog pee. Do the Elijah Moore slash DK Metcalf dog pee. The old piss and miss. I'm telling you, 
um, his dad, the uh, men's varsity basketball coach slash youth minister, would not be happy with that movie. No, he would not. No, I, he, I, I think the gritty or the squabble is safe, but the the old the old yeah. dog leg may not be I, it. But I'm gonna tell you against Boonville, if you're gonna be the white kid hitting the gritty, you better hit it hard. Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. So that's why I think like the squabble, <laughs> like that little left or right thing, is a lot easier. <laughs> But see, go classic. Hit the Iggy oh. Shuffle. Do the Dirty Bird. Dirty Bird that's you know, it. yeah. I love the Dirty mm-hmm. Bird. It's one of my favorite. Do the Ray Lewis intro. Oh, you know, the slide. Dance is what he called slide. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do the Do the Ray Lewis. I mean, any murderer you pick, just dance like that. <laughs> but yeah, man. Real quick, shout out Ty Witten, man. So stoked for you, buddy. I can't wait to hear all about it on Saturday. Um, let's freaking go, man. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. I mean. Uh, I can't, you know, my kids are playing uh, uh, Little League, Park League soccer right now, and I'm over the moon because they're in that age group. They're two years apart, and they're two years age brackets. And so this year they're on the same team, and so I don't have to, like, divide my time on two different fields or go four nights a week. It's just two. Like, it's great. But they are awful. Awful. Yikes. (laughs) I mean, uh, and so I can – I can picture myself in the future, you know, rooting for Braxton or, or in 20 years, my, my son, my biological son, when, if he were to like hit the field and, you know, be a, be a, a real role player in a team or heaven forbid, start on something, mm-hmm. you know, boy, I'd, I'd just be nerve wracking. Like, I feel like it would put all of my Ole Miss angst and make it just feel like small potatoes, yeah. you know? Uh, you know, like uh, when I, when I was home in August, checking in on daddy, I went to his first high school football game and I was filming and I think I told you about this and he almost got a pick. He was playing safety. He dropped open his hips. He kind of curled around. And if the receiver hadn't tipped it, he would have picked it off. And I'm telling you right now, I would have been insufferable had he caught that ball. The video would have ended with my phone just like flipping through the air for like 40 yards as I just went just belligerent uh, when he got his first pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way on like just a smaller – sense you know mm-hmm. like when we were playing softball and and coach pitch coach pitch softball coach pitch baseball this year i was coaching both teams and it was like every time my kids would come up to bat i'm pitching to them and there's nothing more nerve-wracking than that oh, so yeah. far because i'm like i can't you know they're learning i gotta give them a good pitch because they're not going to go hit anything that's not no. perfect you know these kids they're just not old enough and so like if i struck them out i felt <laughs> awful but if a couple times, Chloe just smacked one, and Braxton, you know, hit them regularly, and you know, I was very, very happy for them. And but then I took all the credit. You know, I was like, "You better be. You, you like that pitch I threw you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why you got that hit. You know, huh? take none of the blame, but all no, of the no, credit, right? Nothing. Right. Uh, my best, my Bucks best of the week. Uh, I'm on my wife. She probably thinks I nag her, and uh, it comes out of love. Mm, sure. Uh. But especially this time of the year where you've got a lot of family events and football's on and I'm really wanting to dial in football, it feels like we are so busy. And so last weekend, uh, Haley told me, she was like, all right, we're not doing anything this weekend. I know we've been running crazy, and but we're not going to do anything. But then her sister came into town, and that dictated our plan. We ended up being very busy. So this weekend she said, again, we're not doing anything. It's like, we're staying at home. We're staying close. We're just staying together. And so this Saturday we had the best day. Uh, my grandma cooked breakfast. This is the first time, you know, six weeks that she's felt good enough to cook family breakfast. 
So we went to Casu and ate family breakfast. We went to the green market. Oh, and nice. Just spent the whole Saturday just loafing. I'll be honest with you, I watched very little football until the evening mm-hmm. of Saturday. But we just had a good time. We ate slug burgers at Borum's. We went to the green market downtown, did some shopping, spent a little money. Just good Saturday. Uh, and it was so refreshing. You know, here we are, you know, seven. I guess we just finished week seven of college football. Um the Saturdays are so nice when Ole Miss isn't playing because yeah. there's just you just wake up with some angst when you're in the middle of the SEC season. <sighs> Tell you know? me about it. Uh, and so I'm just like, yeah, you shouldn't have much angst at all at this point. <laughs> uh, but but uh, uh, it was just nice. It was calm, relaxing. We didn't check our watches. We didn't check our phone. Didn't care what time it was. It's just a good yeah. day. That was my best of the Yeah, week. man, for sure. I, I, you know, I changed my status at work today on our little instant messaging service to, well, State, I'm ready to be hurt again. Go dogs, because it's, yeah. it's game <laughs> week again. And you're right, man. Saturday was so nice not having to worry about, you know, Mississippi State and what we we're going to do and if we were going to win or whatever. It was nice just to be able to appreciate college football as a fan of the sport and not have a vested interest in it. Yeah, I've got a buddy of mine that always sends this message, and it's like a, it's like a, um, um, what do you call it, um, you know, a flow chart basically, and it's a triangle, mm-hmm. and it says, um, believing in the ribs, and then it says, ribs break my heart, starting to believe again, <laughs> <laughs> and it says, it said somewhere on the line between, uh, ribs are good again. And in between the Rebs are good again and Rebs break my heart, it said, we yep, are here. 100%. <laughs> you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, it's that always angst, like, all right, when's the shoe going to yeah. drop? We're 5 and 1. We're 2 and 1 in the SEC. We're looking good. When are, when's the other shoe going to drop? It's going to be the Egg Bowl. You hide and watch, yeah. but we'll get to that in a few weeks. <laughs> if we make it to the Egg Bowl without another loss, then you're right. That would be, a, <laughs> that would be the most Egg Bowl awful. thing ever. So. Oh, my gosh. I can't even think no. about that right now. So, my be- my Bucks beef of the week, man, is just this crud. I, you know, woke up Saturday morning with a little scratchy throat. Um, It was better by Saturday evening. I was tired. Sunday I was okay, just kind of the itchy eyes and nose. But Monday and especially yesterday, man, I felt awful. I was looking for that, that license plate of that truck. It run me over and – I've been better today. I went to the gym and tried to work out, but just no no stamina, no steam, man. I just – I hate this crud that's going around. So, you know, I know y'all listen to this podcast for life advice and, and how to be a better human. So just wash your hands, take your vitamin C. If you're sick, stay at home. Uh, just avoid this crud like the plague, man. But, I, I like, I feel like everybody in my inner circle is getting it right now. I've talked to a bunch yeah, of people that's going around. It's running through everywhere. Mm. I had it a few weeks back, and I just I've learned on the front end. I've got a cousin that's a nurse practitioner, and he practices here in Ripley. And I'm on the front end. As soon as I feel it coming, I'm like, "Hey, I'm on my yeah. way. I need a decadron yeah. shot." You know, load me up. I'm ready to go. Two weeks ago, uh, my baby girl had uh, RSV Ooh. and hand, foot, mouth yeah. at the same Jeez. time, and and so it's been going through our house too. Their her daycare said it's. It's going rampant mm-hmm. through there. I mean, it's just that time of year. When fall comes in, it goes hot to cold. And in Mississippi, it's going to be hot again. You uh, that's wait. it. You know, fall's fall yep. is what we're that's in right it. And now. Mimi, my grandmother, she, you know, kindly lives there with her, Margie's kid. And uh, Mimi, for the last two weeks, has had RSV and pneumonia just because the same. Just, yeah. just going around, kindly brought her home from daycare. Right. So, 
uh, well, my beef, uh, to bring it back to sports a little bit, uh, I looked at the little channel guide today, uh, or last night, I was just looking for stuff to watch, and I realized that Major League Baseball playoffs are going on right now, and I totally forgot yeah. about it. Uh, it is, and my beef is not me that I forgot about it. And my beef is with Major League Baseball that they have somehow made this sport so obsolete and so not mainstream yeah. anymore. You know, this is October. This is what you're talking about. You've got Derek Jeter was Mr. October, yeah. Mr. November. Reggie Jackson was Mr. October. And, like, there's a, such a emphasis on the month of October in baseball season. It's it's religious. It's special. It is, you know, where legends become made. And here in 2023, baseball in October is so far down the list of priorities. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Netflix things that people are, are, are re-watching right now rather than watching the – the Major League Baseball yep. playoffs. And it doesn't help that Major League Baseball teams, the most successful ones all regular season, the regular season is too long. Yeah. 162 games is ridiculous. Uh, however, the teams that had the highest winning percentage, the one and two seeds on each conference, did not even make it to the second weekend of baseball. Went one and 13. The, yeah, the Braves – are the only one they went one and three against the Nationals. They've the apparently Phillies. the Nationals Phillies. apparently got their number or Phillies. Uh, the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers. The Rangers swept the Orioles. Like, yeah. and this is all stuff I found out after right. the fact. I'm like, what happened? You know, uh, it's just a it's a sport that is not caught up with mainstream media platforms and social media platforms and uh they don't allow anybody to share mm-hmm. their highlights except for them. i mean it's just atrocious they don't market their no. superstars and only to make matters worth the superstars that are not marketed got bounced in the first yep. round who cares i mean you can i guess i can make an argument your brother would probably tell me i'm wrong but the phillies are not a national brand nobody cares about the phillies and they're playing the Diamondbacks, right. which is, I mean, if the Diamondbacks make the World Series, just cancel it all. People forget they even put have those a team games on Animal right. Planet. Yeah, uh, and then on the other side, you've got the Astros, which, if there's any heartbeat to the playoffs left at all, it's the people that's rooting mm-hmm. against Houston, playing against the Rangers. Who, who yeah. cares? Who cares? So, I mean, there's no Yankees, there's no Red Sox, there's no Cardinals, there's no Cubs. Yeah. Uh, it's just. There, nobody cares. It feels like that Final Four we got last year, right, where it's just like UCLA and then a bunch of, like, whoever's. Like, it's just like, right. like there's just no interest on a national scale. And Well, it was – and uh, uh, who was it ended up winning it? Not Georgetown. UCLA. Uh, no, it wasn't uh, – UConn. No, UConn. no, it was UConn. Mm-hmm. UConn, yeah. So, and UConn was like a yeah. sixth seed. I mean, it's just – now, you can't help – baseball doesn't necessarily – the competition is mm-hmm. good. It's good to have a Cinderella, sure. uh, but it's just not. It's it's just not marketed well enough. It's right. If nobody cares beforehand, nobody's going to care about the Cinderella. No. You've got to have people vested in the sport as a whole. And baseball is so regional. Yeah. You know, I saw a stat the other day. Uh, so, the NBA, uh, and I'm not going to quote this perfectly, but uh, the NBA has basically an 80% success rate. The higher seed has a 80% success rate. And so that's kind of what you want. The favorites normally win. The better teams typically win. And then you've got 20% of the time where you've got the heat that go on a run as an eight seed in the finals. Um, For other sports, I saw, so for baseball, 
for them to have a 162 game se- season and only a seven or five game series to decide it in a in a sport that's so streaky and so quirky and odd to make it match the um, expected win rate for the favorites in basketball, their series would have to be like 79 games long. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it was the most astronomical. In like football, it was like 17 games. Man. You know, it's somehow basketball, and maybe it's because it's, you know, smaller roster size, less, for some reason, there's less variability. Less and, yeah, and uh, baseball is just so quirky, and, you know, it's so, it's, Solely dependent on your pitcher yeah. most of the Especially time. Especially this you time know? of the year, is who's uh, got the deeper and style. This time, yeah, and this time of the year, you've got four guys by this point that's on uh, the disabled list or the injured list. Sorry, uh, <laughs> injured reserve. Get it uh, right. Apologize. You're gonna get us canceled no, that's here. Football. It's it's some, that's football. That's it's the injured list injured in baseball. Yeah. You're gonna get us canceled uh, here. Yeah, uh, but they've all got Tommy John by this yeah. point. So, anyways, that's my that's. Ba- baseball postseason is just uh, not what it used just to put be. it on true TV where it yeah belongs, that's know? it man and it's sad that Rob Manfield has done he's done this to himself baseball you know they'd shorten the games but all they did was make commercial breaks longer like they they talked about and it's the same thing I'm noticing in football like we're getting longer commercial breaks as they're shortening the game yep. to get interest the reality is they're doing it to sell more ads. They're not fooling anybody because you're well, getting these longer commercial breaks. There's this massive break in the action, and baseball's the same way. Like, you'll get an inning, and then it's like seven or eight, ten minutes of commercials, and then they go back, and these guys have gotten cold. They're not what they were, and it's just it's frustrating as a fan. Like, the consumer experience has gotten worse as they've shortened these games because the ad breaks have gotten longer. Yeah, they've got to – It'll never happen. It's not happened in the history of the world where people get less greedy. Yeah. But they were on the right track with the pitch sure. clock. It sped up it the did. game while the game is being played. The problem still is it's still a three-and-a-half, four-hour game. It's the same problem that college football had. You know, they went to no stoppage of the clock on first downs except within the final two minutes of each half. And that shortened the TV broadcast by three minutes. But it took away – about 15 plays from each offensive plays from each right. team. So you've taken away 15 opportunities to score, but only saved like three minutes of television yeah. time. It's not no. worth it. Especially when you're adding in more and more commercial breaks in there to account for that. Selling ads and making revenue. I get it. Like it's a business. Like you said, you know, nobody's going to get less greedy, but we've got to find but that middle ground. This, you're doing this for watchability, yeah. not for, not, you're not just, if you're saying you're, you're wanting more opportunities to or opportunities to have longer commercial breaks than say that, but don't say it's for watchability and shortening the mm-hmm. game when you're just going to take up all the time that you've saved and uh, and spend it on commercials. It's the same thing with my my wife wants to buy a house with some land, and I'm like, okay, we'll sell our house for a massive profit, but guess what? We're going to eat up that whole profit with a house that's yeah. smaller, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it's the same yeah. concept. 100%. Like, Oh, we said, we said, sa- we saved game time, but we're going to spend what we saved on Bud Light. Yeah, ads. exactly. Exactly. And it just makes it less that's, consumable by the consumers, the ones that are wanting to watch the games right. and are giving you the ratings and helping supply those ads. So you've got to find a middle ground. I do appreciate them speeding up the game in some ways, but don't make me stare at ads for Hulu and Netflix and Budweiser, whatever. Well, baseball. Baseball in particular, from commercial break 
from the end of the commercial break to the start of the next commercial break is much more enjoyable to watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is quicker. You don't have 15,000 pitch outs mm-hmm. or stepping off the yep. rubber and meetings at the mound. I mean, it, it makes it better, sure. especially late situations and games. Uh, but you've still got to cut down those yep. ads. And if you're going to – if I'm not going to be the guy that tells the old white dude and the, the CEO of Fox that he needs to, you know, not make right. as much money. Right. But know? somebody needs to be that guy. I don't have that, I don't have that clout. So we didn't watch a lot of football this past week, like you said. We'll uh, we'll talk about the, some of that here in a few minutes, and we'll get into our picks and all that. But first, uh, you know, Drew, I feel like with the Memphis Grizzlies, anytime we get a little ahead of steam, or we get a little momentum, or we get a little break in the action, this jaw story keeps coming up. And I know you saw it. We talked about it earlier today, off air. You know, this this article was written by ESPN about Ja and how his career is on the brink and and no inaccuracies that I saw within that story. There were a couple of things I had some beef with, and this was almost my beef for today, but I wanted to save it for this. Um, the story in and of itself, again, it was very damning for Ja Morant with – but it was all old. It was. There was nothing. It was. New it's just the, the two the, little the two things maybe. I have. Like it, it. It feels like they're still kicking us while we're down. Why does this article have to come out now? And then the thing that like I was really chapped about this earlier after I read it. Like if you're gonna say something about somebody, put your name on it. Like don't be that anonymous team source. I understand how journalism yeah. works. I understand that you need sources to give them anonymity so they'll yeah. share their heart. Like I get that. Don't come at me for that. You don't write stories without giving anonymity. I know? get that. <laughs> but if you're if you're grown up enough that you're going to talk crap about somebody and give these details, what that to me, what that does is that's going to create animosity, distrust and can create some fissures in a locker room in a team cuz you're sitting there thinking as John Morant, well, was it Jaron? Was it was it Roddy? Was it somebody in the front office? Like, you don't know. Like, you probably have an idea of who it is. But if you're going to say something, like – I'll guarantee you it's not it. anybody whose name – No, it's knows. it's somebody yeah. – in it's some nerd in an yeah. office upstairs at the forum. Like, 100%. I get that. But, like, if you're going to talk like a grown man, put your name on it. Like, don't be that anonymous source. Like, if you want to say it, say it, man. Put your name on it, right? Right, you know, sign it at the end of the day. Be a man that takes some accountability that you're calling Ja for – it's that old Ron Swanson. That's thing. it, man. He's like, why'd you sign yeah. your name? And he's like, because I'm, I'm a man, hundred percent. And then the last thing, the other <laughs> thing that really rubbed me the wrong way about the article is they kept trying to blame T. And the last time I checked, a grown man is responsible for a grown man's decisions. Yes, I get that. I do. However, you know, you've all I've always painted this picture of T mm-hmm. that's not that is not accurate with the story that's today. You know, we've come on this podcast and we were like, well, he's, he comes from a good family. His family keeps him centered. And that seems to be what was the case originally. However, what it's turned out to be is according to this story, his family, his daddy hasn't exactly kept him centered, but he's kind of joined along in the ride. He's living that NBA lifestyle without being an NBA player. It's kind of the opposite of what, we thought he was. He thought we thought he was there to keep him centered and keep him calm. But it sounds like at one thirty, when the team plane lands and the sprinter van pulls up, T's in there with him, and they go into the mm-hmm. club. It's like that's when I want Dad to be like. And it, you're right, Jaws, 25, 24, 25, 26 years old now. He's mm-hmm. grown. You know, T's not going to talk him out of making any bad no. decisions. But I don't want T there with him when he's right. <laughs> making the bad decisions right. either. My whole thing in this article could have been a lot worse. Sure. Um, 
it looked really bad. I did not like the fact that all of these quotes came from Grizzlies executives. Yes. Un- unnamed Grizzlies executives That's or what I'm saying. team sources or I don't like that. Uh however, uh it wasn't anything new. So, you know, it cited the the thing at the mall. Mm-hmm. We all knew about him getting into a scuffle, defending his mom at the shoe store mm-hmm. in the mall. And then the basketball court fiasco where he punched the 17-year-old. Right. And the laser pointer. At the at Pacers. The, at the Pacers, right. you know. And, and then the nightclubs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, riding around with Devontae Pack and flashing a gun. Like, it's all stuff we know. And I'm going to tell you this. When Baxter Holmes writes a story, you get scared. Mm-hmm. Baxter Holmes, if you don't remember, he's the one that wrote the Robert Sarver mm-hmm. piece that got Robert Sarver fired. He's the one that wrote the Donald Sterling mm-hmm. piece. He he single-handedly wrote the stories that took down two of the league's mm-hmm. owners. And so when he writes a story about John Moran, I'm kind of batting it down yeah. the hatches hoping for something explosive. Right. The only thing that I saw that made me additionally concerned the timing's not great, but I guarantee you they've been writing this story for months, and they just now kind of ra- put a bow on it. I don't think it coincided with anything. I'd rather it be today than next Wednesday, the night of Meaningful opening night. You know, yeah. right? Um, the only thing that concerned me is is the, the the depiction of how the conversation went between Ja, Zach Kleiman, and Tyler uh, yeah. Jenkins in the hotel mm-hmm. room, and uh, to fill everybody in. Jaw's been kind of, you know, going out of control here. You know, he shows up late to practice, hungover. There was those. Again, he's 24 years old. He's a superstar. It never affected his play. And so, you know, you kind of let a lot of stuff slide if if you've got that guy, you Mm -hmm. know. Don't tell me that Michael Jordan wasn't out playing golf and showing up late with smelling like cigars and bourbon for practices, mm-hmm. you know, you backed it up, you're the best player of all time, okay. It's kind of where Jaws at right now. However, when they sat him down and talked about it, it was described that he was very flippant about it and didn't want to be interested in being uh, his hand held towards moderate behavior. Right. Like, he had no interest in it. Um, culturally, I hated how it the, the Memphis business owner yes. – like, I hated yes, the, the club owner or whatever you know, he was. Act, uh, he started acting like a rap star, and he's going to end up like a rap. Like, I hate, I hate the that. whole rap. I hate that. I hate the rap argument yes. that rap culture causes him to act out. Uh, it's the same as saying that playing modern warfare breeds school exactly. shooters. Like, it's it's just just, there's just no it's just correlation dumb. Yes. There. Uh, I hated that. However, I also hated – it sucks to see such a fixture of the community – uh, when he walks up to your restaurant or your establishment, that people are like, "Oh crap!" Here's right, because like, like, he is that guy in the community, and he w- you want him to be a a Mount Rushmore. I mean, uh, Jeff Calkins says he's the biggest thing Elvis. since Elvis, and he's Memphis. not wrong. And and so, for the biggest thing since Elvis to walk the streets of Memphis, which is totally accurate, that comes with like a mayoral kind of level 100%. of respect for the community is what I like you don't want business owners to say crap here comes Ja he's gonna you know he's gonna get pissed at this table mm-hmm. he's gonna get pissed at he's this. gonna park he's somewhere he can't park and get in a fight in the parking yeah, lot uh, that's that's the only thing uh, the the meeting with Taylor mm-hmm. Jenkins and then the just the owner. impact he has on local business owners 
Although the business owners has no have no right to attribute this to no Ryan that Wilson. that like he was wrong. That, in that I forgot aspect. about that. You, that's a good point. You brought that up. And then Joe Mullinex wrote a good follow up piece for Grizzly Bear Blues SB Nation. I don't know if you saw that, but talking about like like Jock can lose the national media. They're going to count us out anyway because we're a small market. We don't really have a, a place on the on the national scene. You know, they, I mean, obviously with my beef with the the NBA top one hundred last week. We're not really counting on the national scene, but where you can't lose is the city. You can't lose people in Memphis. And it sounds like, right. as, as crappy as those comments were by that business owner, it sounds like that's the direction he's heading. He's not being the pillar of the community that we that he was supposed to be. Because they put in a lot of the scouting reports of how he was super coachable. He was a humble kid. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. Yeah. He didn't party. He was very authentic. He was very accountable. Like, they laid all that out, very grounded, like all the things that we heard about leading up to draft night when you and I both had a conniption when we found out that we were going to get that number two pick and that it was going to oh, be yeah. John Moran. I, I, it's one of the happiest moments of my life, um, sadly as that is. But it's just not playing out that way. And, you know, getting the opportunity to redeem himself this year, you know, we've seen this before, you know, last year after all the stuff at, at what was Dirty Harry's or Wet Willie's or whatever the name of that club in Denver is that he was at. Oh, yeah. um, I think it was Dirty Harry's. Shotgun, Shotgun Willie's. Willie's. That was it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, all that stuff came out. I'm going to be accountable and be a teammate. And he did the stupid thing on Instagram Live. You know, he's been wearing yeah. the redemption and the accountability shirts yeah. in practice. And, and the thing that I saw that uh, resonated on Twitter amongst fans, not on media or anything else, was it sort of galvanized everybody back on Jaw's mm-hmm. side. I don't know if you saw that or not, but the overwhelming majority of fans that I follow were like, why are you bringing this mm-hmm. up now? And I outlined why I think I think it's just the natural life cycle of a story. Mm-hmm. You know, it just completed and they put it out. However, everybody kind of banded together. Like, he's kept his nose clean since March. He's, you know supposedly done the right thing he's been out of the media he's been quietly doing his work he said the right things he's participated in practice despite you know missing the first 25 games he's been a good mm-hmm. teammate since this happened but w- so why are y'all still bringing up all this crap exactly you know and it's kind of galvanized memphis does memphis best when you we feel like you don't believe because i'm yeah. wearing the shirt like if you're your watching on says. youtube wearing the shirt memphis versus everybody that's how it felt on twitter yeah. today I, I like even me like i got at the gym today i pull up at the gym i put on three six mafia to work out to just i was feeling very like some city pride for a city that i used to live in and for a sports scene that i follow like i was like you know what i, I hope like and we'll get in the grizz in a few minutes as we get ready for meaningful basketball next week but like like I, I like I see no reason why we can't go eighty two and zero, and it's because like it's that like sharpening of like you know what you're gonna come after our guy like he's screwed up, but it's Memphis versus everybody. He's, he's our, our guy. guy. Like he yeah. yes he screwed up, but we're not giving up on him. You know, there's been times where you and I've screwed up. We didn't give up on each other. Like we're not giving up on right. Ja. Like things are like we're we're in his corner now. I feel like more than we were prior to the article. Even though like you said, there was nothing new. There was nothing like earth shattering it just was like why are you gonna right. poke that wound again again i get like you said it's very that's very logical that this is just the life cycle of a story but why are we poking that wound a week before meaningful basketball right i get it and i get both sides and i i love the fact i'm i am appreciative of the fact of a journalist and doing your yep. story and you know whatever i get that but i'm also appreciative of memphis mm-hmm. and our fans and i feel like it's this way with most fans but i feel like it's more so ingrained in memphis where you take care of your own and you defend your own you don't kick us when we're yep. down 
and that's the vibe I got from fans. Mm. You know, I wrote that is that you don't you don't do you know enough is enough. We've moved on. Uh, we're supporting our guy. You quit attacking. I wrote that article about a year ago about Memphis. Remember about how like we've always been that city that's been kind of counted out and always been that city that's been an afterthought. I might retweet that uh, tonight or tomorrow just just to remind people of what Memphis is. It's right. the people that are counted out, people that they don't really matter, that you know they're an afterthought in the Southeast, they're an afterthought in the NBA. But dadgummit, well, we're, we've got no, culture, man. No better, uh, no better way to – describe that or an example of that is you know there are no memphis grizzlies in the top third right of the nba 100 yep. yet we're the two seed back-to-back years despite having no good players and our coach never wins any right. awards our executives oh. never win any awards we're the number two seed every single yes. year with nobody, with nobody, to with, play. nobody, yeah, nobody gets nobody, anybody. man. And then like, it, like, but you look up at the end of the year, and who is there at the end? It's Memphis, 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 it's Memphis, Memphis. Like we're yeah. there at the end of the year, the most man. brutal land the in the world. The most brutal land in the world, man. We are. It's a blue collar town. I'm a blue collar player, man. I'm fired up for basketball next oh, week. Let's man. go. One week let's, from oh, today. Let's talk about the Grizz for a minute, Drew. One, like one week from today's opening night. Uh, we're gonna have to either record really early or really late. Cause I'm watching. Dang right, I ain't missing it. Cause uh, seven o'clock, New Orleans Pelicans <clears throat> in the grind. Let's go. Uh, you're not gonna have Josh start game one of his 25 game suspension, but it looks like they are gonna have Zion. Yeah. Uh, and so Zion will be playing one of his seven games <laughs> of the 23-24 season in Memphis next Wednesday night. Uh, and that's the reason that Kenny Lofton showed up 20 pounds overweight is because he's ready for Zion. Oh <laughs> Listen, Kenny Lofton's going to have to get it together. He's going to be playing it. Listen, China. Drew, I, I need you to do me a favor. So I've watched the vast majority of our preseason games because Mississippi State football has got yeah, me nothing ex- to be yeah. excited about. I, matter of fact, I was debating whether or not I was going to post a Mississippi State baseball post in my Instagram today, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not there yet. We're, we're six months from baseball. Missed the postseason in that sport, too. <laughs> but I, I need you to do me a favor. So, like, Desmond Bain has had a great preseason. Yeah. Jared Jackson Jr. has had a great yeah. preseason. But the one yeah. that I've been most encouraged by, and I need you to talk me off the ledge of voting for Zaire for comeback sixth man of the year. My boy has been hey. hooping in the preseason, man. Yeah, he looks really yes. good. And Chris Vernon, I think I've talked about this. He's got this theory, and I feel like it's played out in most aspects, especially for non-superstar drafted mm-hmm. players you know like jaw didn't really have a second year dip mm-hmm. you know um but his theory is is that your rookie year nobody knows who you are nobody knows your game there's no film right. you get to go out there and play the way that you feel at least for the first half of the year before a script gets written mm-hmm. against you and you can ball out rookie of the year i mean you look really good but then year two the book's written on you it's kind of like the same argument with baseball. It's like you, they find out you can't hit a curveball inside. Yep. So that's all you're going to get. And that your second year is, on many occasions, teams that have found a way to stop you. So you've got to grow. You've got to use the second year to grow to more have a more holistic game. And then the year three is when you bust. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when you really do it. I feel like that's what we're dealing with Zaire. Zaire started playoff games his rookie year, was very good and a, con- a contributor for the Grizzlies in the playoffs in his rookie year. His second year, he came in injured. He's kind of dealing with injuries all year. 
his senior who was just bad. I mean, nowhere to put it. He was out of the rotation. He didn't get any minutes except for mop-up duty. But it seems like this offseason he had a uh, a renaissance. Yeah. He kind of – you know, Desmond Bain going in his second year, they were talking about how he made this huge jump. It's his, this third year – going into his third year last year, rather. He was making this huge jump, and you heard about it in the offseason. That's kind of the, the season – yeah, that, Zaire's heading uh, into Zaire Williams the off season, and he's ready to make that jump. He's kind of refined other aspects, the rougher edges of his the game. The biggest thing is, and he's confidence. ready to be a real man. He looks confident yeah. with or without the basketball. That's seventy five. It is man because like yeah. when he was his first two leagues years in the league, he looked really nervous and really scared. Didn't see the player that he was in Stanford. But I think about that little that little video meme of that kid at that high school. I've got my swagger back. That's what it feels like with Zaire, <laughs> man. I feel like Zaire is is taking that step. He's making big time shots. He's in there getting rebounds. Like he's mixing up really good. I'm super excited about Zaire Williams. I'm also super excited about a healthy Stephen Adams that shoots threes now, apparently, because he's taking a few here yeah, in the preseason. Don't expect <laughs> that to happen. It's not going to happen. In the he's he's season. coming after Joel Embiid's uh, title of being a three point shooting big. Like we'll have Jaron and Stephen yeah. behind the line. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for Stephen Adams. Uh, he did play a little in the the first preseason game, but I don't believe he's played since. They've really slow played him. Friday is going to be key. I'm excited for Friday. Yeah, Smart for the, the first last time. preseason game against uh, Milwaukee, and it's on the road. But we're going to see Marcus Smart for the first yep. time. He's been dealing with some ab soreness. You're, I'm sure you're going to see the full starting five, as you will see the starting Until five Christmas. next yep. Wednesday. It'll probably be. The starting five you see Friday night, you're going to see regular rotation. You know, kind of how the season. Oh, excuse me, how the season's going to start. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, everybody's healthy except for Brandon Clark. Yeah. You know, and you're not going to see him. You know, he had a setback and other surgery. You're not going to see him this year. You may not ever see Brandon Clark again. If I'm just being real. Um, but it's, it's super exciting. There's nothing about this team and how it's laid out that makes me think we should be anything worse than a top four right. seed. Uh, I'm, the only reason why I'm not saying two or one is because uh, you are missing Ja for 25 But, I, do you know, I need to remind you that we went 22-2 and two over the last couple of years without Ja. Like, we play really yeah. well without Ja. And, like – Yeah, and that's with Tyus Jones sure, being an anchor, sure. you but know. But is that Marcus uh, Smart being now? Is that, supreme you know, facilitator. Like, yeah. What does that look Marcus like? Marcus Smart's ranges – Marcus Smart is great in his own right, but he is not Mr. Consistent. Yeah. And, and uh, that, you know – Maybe the the presence of him and and uh, D Rose mm-hmm. kind of balance that out, but he's very streaky. He's very mm-hmm. fly by the seat of his pants. He's more Tony Allen than he is Mike Conley. <laughs> That's fair. You know? That's a fair comparison. Uh, but what I appreciate and, and Tyus Jones at his best was Mike right. Conley. And know? what I appreciate most about Marcus and D Rose, they both said, "Look, we're here to kind of pull Jaw along and bring him into being a player, but we're not going to babysit. Like you've got to make those right. decisions too." And like. That accountability, I think, is what is different about this Memphis Grizzlies team than years past. Like, there's been accountability where Steven Adams, these guys have tried to step up, but, like, D-Rose has been there. You know, Marcus Smart has been on championship-caliber teams. D-Rose has two. Like, these are guys that have some clout in the back – like, in the front court, they were like, we can – like, they can carry some weight when they have a conversation with Ja. You know what? And if I'm being honest here – Ja did not listen to Steven Adams, so there's not really a reason for me to think he's going to listen to sure. Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart other than he just got his tail handed to him in the form of a 25-game suspension, and maybe that was the wake-up yeah. call. Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart is not the wake-up call, but 
I don't believe I believe that with the presence of Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart, the team culture will not fade mm-hmm. if Ja right. does. That was one thing. Like everybody was, re- you know, the way that story portrayed was that the players were kind of getting sick of it, and I feel like morale won't dip with with D Rose and with Smart keeping everybody else. In line and hundred percent. They'll whereas maybe Tyus and Steve-O wasn't able to rally the yeah. rest. We everybody was just casting John away and frustrated with John. I feel like D Rose mm-hmm. and Marcus Smart will rally the rest of the yeah, guys. and especially and be there if John has needs yeah. help and he asks yep. for it. You and know? especially with like D Rose and the way like the city has re-embraced him with these murals and with these different things, you know. Grew up in Chicago, but he's had that magical run at Memphis where they went and lost to Mario Chalmers in Kansas in the finals that year. Uh, it was my junior year in college, which is wild. Um, but, like, like seeing the city embrace D-Rose, like having that is going to be a great dis- – like distraction may not be the right word, but maybe it is away from Ja and some of the stuff because people are going to be leaning into def- D-Rose and maybe take some of the heat off of Ja and his suspension. Well, and it definitely – uh, gives them something else to focus on, right? You know, it, you know, not. I don't know that Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose, and Memphis have had a very combative relationship since that 2008 Finals mm-hmm. game. You know, it was, you know, he would not. You know, I mean, he got busted for ACT I was about to say, since the ACT. He cooperated. Thing. I mean, he basically admitted to it. He wasn't protecting Memphis by any means. They took the banner down for the runner-up banner. He's never been back. Like it's, there was a combative relationship there, like a scorned lover. Right. You know, Memphis was the scorned right. lover. You know, but they've welcomed him back. I was watching uh, Media Days. I don't know if you watched this mm-hmm. or not, but he was interviewed by Gary. Yeah, Parrish. that was a great interview. And it was so funny because he was asking Derrick Rose. He's like, obviously, you know, you were the youngest rookie of, the, I mean, youngest MVP of all time at 22 years old. Then you have these brutal injuries. He's like, what What your career, I hope I'm not speaking out of school, is not what you thought it would be when you won the MVP at 22 years old because of injuries. Right. And he was just like, I mean, it caused, I had to do a lot of self-reflection. He's like, I've, I worked on my communication skills. I've been able to talk. And, you know, I wasn't talking at mm-hmm. that point. And Gary Parrish says, funny enough, look at this video. And they showed a, picture, a video of Gary Parrish and Derrick Rose in 2008 at Central Barbecue. And it, the funniest part of it was Derrick Rose had a shaved head, very shy, didn't right, talk at I all. That. And Gary Parrish is like 50 pounds heavier with a head full yeah. of hair. <laughs> and if you see <laughs> Gary reversed. Parrish now, he's small and slick bald. Mm-hmm. Like just the time, it shows the, the amount of time that's passed since Derrick Rose has been a member of the community of Memphis. And they are excited yeah. to have Derrick Rose here as well as, well as, as, well as I'm not a Memphian I love the Grizzlies mm-hmm. uh, I love what Derrick Rose brings to the Grizzlies in basketball but I'm not a Memphian by any yeah. means but I'm still excited about Derrick I count Rose. myself as a Memphian I lived there for five years I love that city I've always joked that that's a city that I'd love to get back to at some point just because of the heart and soul and Memphis is its own like right. it's it's definitely like Memphis is different unless you've lived there or spent time there you will never appreciate that you'll just see that the violent crime is through the roof and the, the right. negative. If you just watch the news, right. you don't but get it. But I'm telling it. you, yeah. you listeners, most of the listeners of the podcast are Grizz fans or at least appreciate that. But if not, like, just spend some time in Memphis and you'll understand. Like, for the city to have somebody like Derrick Rose to rally around is going to be huge as we navigate the early season without John Morant. Now, when he comes back, we'll be a right. different team. But 
couple things we've kind of skimmed over them, but Desmond Bain is and David Roddy clearly had the same nutritionist because they're both slimmed down about right. 10 or 15 pounds, and Des is moving so much better. And I tell you what, it's going to help. Remember last year he had all those back issues, and the year before especially. But being 15 or so pounds lighter, he's moving better. That's going to be less wear and tear on his body. He's aggressive. Like, like Desmond Bain right. has looked the part of the guy that's going to take another step and be that elite scorer that we need without John Morant. I tell you, I believe with my whole heart that Desmond Bain is an all-star this year. Uh, no doubt about it. I feel like he could have gotten it last year. Some injuries derailed it kind of there in the middle of the season where he – he went into the all-star break kind of with his toe thing. Yep. Uh, it just – it wasn't going to work out uh, because of injuries. But I fully believe that Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain are all-stars mm-hmm. this year. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. for the second time, second consecutive year, and Desmond Bain for yeah. the first time. I believe with my whole heart Desmond Bain is an all-star. And Jaron has looked super aggressive on both ends of the floor. Had a, a mass, couple big blocks the other night um, against Miami. Offensively, I like how they're using I do, too. too. I th- they're using him more like a – it feels like Taylor Jenkins saw something in how Steve Kerr was using for, him for the U.S. team. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a uh, – it's kind of a Draymond role mm-hmm. where he's using a lot of screens and popping and – uh, he's a lot more active on the he offense. He feels more like a floater than tied to the block. Like, they're right. getting him out in space, and at one point he's setting a screen or, at the elbow. Or standing in the corner. Exactly. Like they are moving him around a lot more, and I appreciate that. And that that's his game. Like, he's a he can score from almost anywhere. And if you with enough movement and misdirection, you can get him some ease, like some one-on-one mismatches where he can get you some buckets. And I think this is, again, a year where if he can just – if he can just not get in foul trouble every night, that this could be right. another again again another player that's primed for a massive step up. If Steven Adams stays healthy, and it, you know the great players don't need a, a Robin. Right. You know what I'm saying? Jared Jackson Jr. needs Steven 100%. Adams, and if there's a move that that the Grizzlies can make, and I don't think there's any big men on the market, free agent wise, mm-hmm. right now, other than maybe Gorgie Jane, <laughs> bringing back Gorgie Jane. You really need some insurance for Steven Adams because it's not Kenny Lofton. It's X. He is not. Uh, it it can be X, and I I, I hope do too, it man. Because we, we are I a we're a pro out. Xavier yeah. Tillman podcast, and I hope it works out with yeah. him. You can't say a pro X podcast because then the people thinking we own no the no pro world. Xavier no. Tillman. <laughs> yeah, An- anti Xavier. There it is. <laughs> Pro Xavier. That's Tillman, right. That's know? right. And <laughs> so, like he's because he's that big body that can run that true five and let Jaron be more of that three four hybrid that he is. I you know I, I got a question for you. Is there a spot on this team for Brandon Clark, or, do, or does he become that trade piece that gets you something no. you need? This season, he is not going to be a Grizzly. He is not going to be on. The By the team. end, of I don't the year, see no, any I don't, possibility. I so no, I, I don't think. I think we make it eighty two games without Sam Brandon Clark. I think that. Brandon Clark is more than likely a trade piece based on potential upside, you know, at this point. Because a leaper that has a torn Achilles and then it, ha- and then has a setback in the recovery yeah. for the Achilles scares mm-hmm. me. He's not a shooter. He's not a game. He's not a player whose game translates like Kevin Durant's mm-hmm. did when he tore his Achilles. Where Kevin Durant can still stand back and he's fully healthy, but for a couple of years post Achilles. He was very comfortable and very effective sitting back and shooting easy, threes. Easy you know? sniper, man. Yeah, that will not happen with BC's Brandon BC's game he is above shoot. the rim. He can't, he can't score in it space. Is. It's rebounds, mm-hmm. putbacks, 
finishing lobs, and that just makes me very nervous. Uh, just like for just his, like Teddy back his there, career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he may be chewing on my remote control. Well, you go find that out, and I'll talk about BC for a yeah. minute. Like, I love what he's done for our team and what he represents, and I hope I wish him well, but I agree. I think he could be that piece that we could move to get us a another true five to complement, you know, Tripp and, and spell Steven Adams a little bit. Does he get us another score, you know? Is he somebody that we can move for that piece that we need at the trade deadline? Especially as we get close to the trade deadline, if we're in real contention in the West and we're really competitive at the trade deadline – Absolutely. You move him for that one piece that you might need for a deep playoff run. Again, maybe that's another true five. Maybe that's another wing score. But fingers crossed that we can get that out of Roddy, that Luke Kennard will be that same shooter that he was last year. Because, like, it's just funny, like, watching the preseason, we were one of the highest three-point attempting teams in the NBA preseason. Gone are the days of the grit and grind. Yeah, man. Like, gone are those days. You know, we are hucking up threes at an impressive rate. And And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not going to be mad if we set the record for threes attempted as long as Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Luke Kennard are in the starting (laughs) line. That's it. You know? That's it. (laughs) Like, you know, gone are the days of those, like, ugly, like, over-the-shoulder Dylan Brooks threes, which, speaking of, man – RIP to the homie. Oh, first, yeah, we didn't talk first about game yeah. back in the preseason last week, and he's going to sack tap. It's a $75,000. He's going to sack tap somebody. Tossed, <laughs> gets tossed after five minutes. So the full Dylan Brooks effect. You know what the the full Dylan Brooks is? Getting tossed from a game, um, not making any threes, and then sitting in a post game and saying, I'm Dylan the Bill. Yeah, 100%. You know, like, taking no accountability. 100%. At least he did the press <laughs> like, conference, and he didn't just uh, say, I'm out. Yeah, I'm. Listen, uh, I wish him well. Good I for wish Dylan. him well. I, I can laugh about it. He's now, not ours, but I was not laughing when he when he threw that wild arm up and knocked oh, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell in the nards, and then you know, yeah, got mad about it. And I was like, that was my candidate. So that's when it. I was yeah. like, all right, like we like he yeah. needs to be a young one tiger or whatever. Right like that's when he needs to move yeah. on. Yeah. Anyways, we're not no. talking about him anymore. Good, you know, good riddance. Um, <laughs> Happy yeah. trails. So, just quick, do you have any hot takes on the Grizzlies this year? Uh, and also, kind of where do you think they finish? I think that Zaire is – I don't know that he's necessarily, like, in the conversation for, like, sixth man of the year, but I think Zaire becomes one of the best off-the-bench players in the Western Conference just in, like, Ooh. efficiency. I did say uh, just, just, yeah. just in efficiency. Not saying he's going to lead the league in any categories, but he's going to be an efficient sixth man, sixth, seventh man off the bench. And I don't see – real like, I was really high on Mississippi State. We crashed and burned. This is a different, this is a different bear. Yeah, I want you to give good predictions for somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I think – Tell me the Phoenix Suns are going to be the best in the Western team Conference, of all time, yeah. please. I think we'll be a top three seed again. I think the top three seeds is well within our grasp if everybody can stay healthy. Zaire takes a turn that we think. I don't see them – and we get job back. If we're competitive and we're playing good basketball at Christmas when we get job back, I think our floor could be – I mean, our floor could be out of the playoffs, but I think like a reasonable like at three seed is where I see us at the end of the year. Yeah. So the only thing that makes me hesitant is the new rules this year, uh, particularly the uh, the uh, what's it called the uh, load management. Yeah, rules. Well, you, you can't so, see guys anymore. Uh, so two things we've talked about I think are great changes is 
if you have to play 65 games to be uh, eligible for any postseason award, and you can't, teams cannot sit star players for back-to-back games. And for that reason, it puts teams like the Lakers, like the Suns in the West, uh, Dallas, you know, it puts those teams to where they can't quite coast the way they want to coast if they're healthy. That's what makes me nervous about saying, I know the Grizzlies talent-wise with Ja are a two-seed. I know their bench is good enough to be competitive without Mm -hmm. Ja. But we're not going to catch any team or hardly any teams anymore that are resting games, especially games at home at at FedEx Forum because that's where they're cracking down is no sitting star players on the road. You know, you're more – there's rules that allow you to every once in a while sit a player at home, you know, for your fans that have bought season things, but not the fans that pay to right. see you on right. the road. And so that's the thing that makes me hesitant about saying, well, they're going to be a two seed or a three seed. Uh, I do think they're going to be a top four mm-hmm. seed. I think they're talented enough. Um, I do like the fact that Damian Lillard went to the East. Yeah, the road. Uh, although the Blazers weren't. The road know, got a little bit the, easier to <laughs> to that. Right. Not that the Blazers were a threat to the Grizzlies, really, but he could have went to the Lakers. I went last year when he had, like, four points at the end of the first quarter, and then he had, like, 40 by the end of the game, and they beat us in Memphis. I was there for that, and it's like, like, we ain't got to play that no more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, I think that, uh, like I said, my predictions, Desmond Bain's an all-star. I think the Grizzlies are a top-four seed. I think that the Grizzlies are – over 500 when Ja gets back, but close. I don't think they're going to go, you know, 17 and 8 or, you know, 20 and 5 by any means. If so, look yeah. out where they're going. Oh, for my the God. Seat. At that you point, know. I will be insufferable. Um, I just want our listeners to know. <laughs> you know I just think you, you remember back the, the first year that we made a mm-hmm. run. Uh, we were 9 and right. 11 at 20 games, and we went on that, winning 22 of 25 just or absolute whatever. Absolute tear. A tear. You know, I don't. I, that's where I see us being at 25 games. You're looking at 13 and 12 or, you know, 11 and 14, 14 and 11, something like that around 500 when John gets back. And then and then look yeah. out. You know, if we, can, if we can hold the rope for 25 games, get a lot of run out of some guys early, really see where your bench is at, you know, with guys like LaRavia, mm-hmm. guys like Roddy, Santi. Yeah, X, speaking you, of see, you know, see speaking guys. of our bench, forty six. I love you, Jitty, yeah. but you should never see the floor again. Like, G- well, dude, he hasn't ex- seen the floor. That's what I'm saying. He hadn't played since the first preseason. His, game. Again, that's a BC. Is his last play as a Grizzly going to be him pinning Anthony Davis? I hope so. I hope so because year. he will go down as a Grizz legend, like much like the yeah. le- the realms of like Courtney Lee with that like incredible yeah. oop. Like he will go down as a Grizz legend for that one play. Um, and I'm yeah. okay with that. I, I don't want to see Jitty dark darken the door of that of the of the. Oh, you're being hard on Jitty. I, I, well, I think. why, man? Why would we need Jitty? He's. An, I don't want to spend any more podcast time talking exactly. about Jitty. Uh, I just think he's he's fine. But is he though? He he rebounds extremely well for a team that doesn't. Rebound. I mean that's fair, but he's, and I mean that may be all he does, but he's not a. He's not a zero. Yeah, I mean, he ain't, but he ain't much above it, man. His plus minus might be like .75, and that's Give me him it. over Dylan Brooks 
every day. Oh my day. God. I mean, that's like, it's like <laughs> saying like, I, I would take like, I, I don't know. I'd take a headache over a root canal. Like, I mean, it's not like you're yeah. picking from the top of the barrel here. <laughs> I said what yeah. I said. Well, anyway, we're going to move. Yeah. No more time on Jitty, but I think, you know, this could be a year where we see some product, you know, a, a X, if he's even half of what he was down the stretch last year, just giving us big time minutes, big time rebounds. You know, I hate that like guys like him, like the score, the score sheet, the stat sheet's not going to give credit to what X can mean to this team, but just like the big minutes that he can give you to free up Jaron Jackson and arrest Steven Adams. Like we need guys like him and big body Roddy, who's not as much of a big body anymore, to give you those quality minutes. He looks sleek and athletic, man. He's moving well. And I will go on record again and say that I was a little harsh on him last year, that he's moving really well, and I hope he can be a serviceable NBA player again for us. Right. I'm with you. All right. So we're not going to spend any more time on things in the past. You know, college football week seven, we both said we didn't watch a ton. I, I watched a bit of the Tennessee A&M game. I watched a bit of Alabama and Arkansas. I was shocked by that outcome. Um, I saw that score after that game was completely yeah. over. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. it, just, it was wild. But A&M Tennessee was a great football game. And, and I, I, I stand by my statement last week. A&M lost, I think, Jimbo Fisher – we have there's a new head ball coach in in uh, at Calfield next year. It's not Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I mean, I w- dang it, I wish I could have wrote this down. They've w- lost like their last twenty road SEC yep. games or something like that. I mean, something astronomical. No, like they don't win on the road. Ole Miss plays them at home this yeah. year, which is great. And of course, uh, State's going to play them. Lose to Texas A&M. Of course, we got to play them at know, Calfield. <laughs> Uh, you could play them at Larry B. Mitchell Stadium and they'd wipe the floor with you. Uh, but uh, Larry B. Mitchell Stadium, for those of you who haven't caught on yet, that is the uh, home of the costume. This is where I cut my teeth. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, so just running through scores here. Uh, the game of the year so far, yeah. Washington and I Oregon. Love Dan, an absolute I classic. love Dan Lanning, man. Uh, I love everything about that dude. Uh, I loved the fact, you know, he went into uh, – they went for it on fourth down on, like, the one-yard line going into half yeah. and they cooked to kick the field goal. And going off, he was just like, this is not a game you're going to win by not right. taking chances. Exactly. And the whole game he played balls out. He did. And I, I do. I respect it. It's it's the reason why I love Lane. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just go for it, man. Uh, when Lane struggles, it's because he gets conservative. Yeah. So, go out there. Let it all Be hang aggressive, out. Man. And he, he did. did. And he – he got beat by a better team. It was a three-point spread. Washington won by yeah. three at I home. honestly think like, you, you play this game ten times at five and five. I mean, these are two great football absolutely. teams. Yeah. You know, it was a battle yeah, of the ages with Bo Nix and Penix Jr. Like, it was just such good football. And and, and and Lanning, like you said, he took his lumps. He said, I was aggressive. I was not going to play to get to not lose. And that's what I get. Right. Like, I, I'm again, like, the more I see and about Kayla him, DeBoer I love that dude. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer is a name you're going to know for a long, long time. time at Washington. Yeah, that kid you can know, play. He is such a good I mean, coach. coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Bo Nix just talking about the quarterbacks. He was 33 of 44 for 337 and two touchdowns. He rushed for 14 yards. Michael Penix, 22 of 37 for 302, four touchdowns and one pick. Um, your boy, I don't know yeah, if you I saw uh, got sad or not. I was happy Your for boy him. Dylan Johnson, Mississippi him. State transfer, twenty carries for a hundred yards and a touchdown. Workhorse. Uh, long, a long of seventy five yard average. I mean, that's what Dylan Johnson yeah, is. He is, dang, you know, Marshawn yeah. Lynch. You know, he's with less. He's just moves, a batter. You know, he just dumps it, man. You, you just know? give him the football and he just it just get out of his way. He's just a downhill runner. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was an outstanding, mm-hmm. outstanding football game. You know, Saturday that wasn't didn't have a lot of good games. Like you said, uh, Tennessee nosed out A and M in an ugly football game. It wasn't it wasn't a game that was overly fun to watch. Notre Dame Just beat the ever living dog crap out. Caleb of Williams absolutely crapped the bed. Absolutely yeah, crapped I, the bed. Uh, Caleb Williams, his line ended at. Um, Oh, shoot, I lost it. There it is. Uh, Caleb Williams ended up 23 of 37, a touchdown and three picks, a 55.7 QB. Against the Notre Dame team he that just lost. He rushed 13 times for negative eight. Against the Notre Dame team that just lost to Louisville. Like. Yeah, and Louisville decided <laughs> that they were going to capitalize on their big win against Notre Dame by losing to Pitt by three a scores. A terrible Pitt like, team. A Pittsburgh team that is now mm-hmm. – Two and right. four. You know, so, like, 100%. I want to – That is absolutely atrocious. LSU put the nail in yeah. Auburn, uh, beating Auburn 48-18. to yeah. like, I, I do want to talk about this. Watch out for the Missouri Tigers. They flexed on Kentucky. Yeah. Get this. You talk about something that's awful. The Missouri punter, Luke Bauer, had more passing <laughs> yards – I sent you this on Instagram – than the mm-hmm. Iowa Hawkeyes on Saturday. So – Iowa's quarterback, Deacon Hill, went 6-for-14 with 37 yards, an average of 2.6, drew his QBR. And they was, won! Yeah, but his QBR was 6.2. And yeah. then uh, Luke Bauer for Missouri was 1-of-1 one one with 39 yards and 100, yeah. 100 QBR. Like, just an incredible, incredible display of athleticism. But watch out, man. Missouri is flexing their muscles. They're, they're, they've got some hard I, games I like they've got some care. But they've got character because they lost that heartbreaker at home to LSU mm-hmm. last week. This is this is kind of this is a theme that we've talked about a lot. You know, with we talked about it with Notre Dame losing that heartbreaker, and then they they respond and go on the road and beat Duke. You know, we've talked about this a lot, and I I hold that very close. Of course, then Notre Dame ended up going and losing yeah. to Louisville. Uh, so who knows what their right. season looks like? I can tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like a playoff nope. team. Um, but you know they they responded. They went, and I believe that game was at Kroger it was Field at Kentucky, right? and they flexed on them, Kentucky, man. who just had a big win the week before. Uh, really, just uh, who was it that Kentucky played uh, the week before? Really dismantled Florida the week before. No, so it was two weeks ago. And, they got embarrassed by Georgia okay. last week, and then they played Missouri. It was two oh, weeks ago. They they got they beat so, they they beat Florida. Yeah, and then. Yeah, so they responded yeah. from a an embarrassing loss to the number one team in the country, if there is such a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, props to Missouri. I'm glad they're not on Ole Miss's schedule this year because uh, as corny as Elijah Drinkwitz is, he's shown to be a good they're winning football, football coach games. for this now, a team. Lot of their yeah. toughest football is ahead of them. they got South Carolina this weekend. That's one of our picks for this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Then they play at Georgia, home for Tennessee, home for Florida, and finish at Arkansas. So they've got some tough games ahead that of them. That schedule's not but hard. You got, I mean, Georgia – Tennessee, getting Florida at home is going to be good because Florida cannot win on the road. They can win at home, but they yeah. can't win on the road. But, like, if you can – like Tennessee's in, in Neyland. No, that one's in Columbia. They're going if to win If you can go game. one and I one. I think this team looks like nine If you can three. go one and one in that Georgia-Tennessee, those two weeks, that's that's a week apart. If you can go one and one there, you're looking at, a like, a decent upper-tier bowl game. Like you said, that's a nine and three crap. If you go one and one there, you're ten and two, you know. So they're six and one right now. Let's just quickly. You tell me win loss, okay. okay? 
Uh, South Carolina at home. At Georgia. Tennessee at home. I think they win that football game. Florida at home. I think they I think they can win, man, because Florida's hot and cold. Um, uh, Arkansas on the road. That's, I mean, that's a winnable football game. So you're saying 10 and 2. I can see There's 10 a path and 2. To 10 and two. I'm, I'm saying 9 and yeah. 3. I'm going to say they're going to be favored in every game except for Georgia. Georgia. I don't think they win every no. game except for Georgia. No. But I'm, I'm going to say 9 and, and 3. And I mean, they'll probably and be. I mean, 8 and 4 is a disappointment, but that says something about where Missouri was. I mean, they won, year, they won you know? six games last year, five games last year, and now they're, they're not. They, there's yeah. a path to 10 and 2. I, they'll, yeah. they'll be favored against Tennessee at home. It may be like a two-and-a-half, three-point line, but they'll be favored against Tennessee at home. I mean, the, the door is open for 10-2 and two and a real shot at a like a Cotton Bowl appearance for the Missouri Tigers. So, shout-out to them, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, good for them. Yeah. Uh, and South Carolina is just going off the Don't edge. We had fire. low expectations yeah. for for South Carolina. Well, but real quick, uh, and Arkansas, real quick, but. keep this thing short because <laughs> I'm starting to cough more. Give me your spiel about Ole Miss this weekend. And they're one of our picks, obviously, but what do you think about Ole Miss and Auburn? Is it a sneaky trap game? Is it a revenge game for Hugh Freeze against Ole Miss? Um, I think that this is a good matchup for Ole Miss because Arkansas can't really score the ball. Peyton Thorne is not great. And then they throw out uh, the other quarterback. What's his name? Um, Alford or Robbie Alford? No, uh, Robbie Ashford. Ashford. Uh yeah, they throw him out in situations like Hugh Freeze loves yeah. to do because he loves to play two quarterbacks, which if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good matchup. I think historically is what scares me is historically Ole Miss does not go to the Plains and mm-hmm. beat Auburn. Um, historically, things got weird. We were the better team two years ago when we went to Auburn and lost based on a, the referee missed a – the punt, the kickoff returner touched the ball and then let it go to the end zone and Ole Miss recovered it for a touchdown and he said, no, he didn't touch it. And then they reviewed it. His fingers went backwards and they said, no, he didn't touch it. And Ole Miss lost. It's the, one of the worst missed calls I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but it just goes to the juju and it's, it's kind of like this weird thing. And for fans, there's a lot of angst because you're playing Hugh Freeze. And the players don't care about that. Lane doesn't care about that. The only person that cares about that are the fans and Hugh Freeze. And so does he have a silver bullet, a a wrinkle? You know, he is a a good offensive coach. The jury's out. I'd even say he's a bad head coach. But he's he's a solid offensive mind. And so maybe he's got something cocked up. But Auburn right now is 3-3. They've got losses to um, Texas A&M, Georgia, and LSU in a row. They're on a three-game losing streak. Um, they won a nail-biter, 14-10 to 10 at Cal. Yeah. I mean, this team's just not, not very good. good. Ole Miss has played better teams. They've looked better. They've shown that they can win ugly now against Arkansas. Ole Miss, uh, what's the line? Uh, it right is uh, six and a half. That line scares the heck out yeah. of me. <laughs> uh, but – Ole Miss is six and a half points better than Auburn. I think they'll beat Auburn. I, you're talk, you like talking about Ole Miss and Arkansas chaos. This is a game that I've that that Feels. for non-football reasons scares mm-hmm. me more than Arkansas. And you've got powerhouse. Uh, I feel like next I should have been more. So it could be a trap game. <laughs> yeah, but you're coming off a <laughs> bye too, and so I mean, like you, 
if you can win this game, you're going to be basically in between two bye yeah. weeks. And so get all the juice up because you're going to go oh you're going to go Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss is going to go at Auburn, Vanderbilt at home, Texas A&M at home, and then go at Georgia, who may not have the best player in the country. He's supposed to be out four to six mm-hmm. weeks. We're talking about Brock Bowers, the stud tight end, the best tight end in the country, the best pass catcher in the country. In the country. If if you Marvin Harrison may be the best receiver, but if you put the tight ends in that category, Brock Bowers 100%. gets the win there. Uh, he's supposed to be out four to six weeks. Ole Miss plays Georgia in four <laughs> weeks, so maybe we're um, kind of you know don't root for injuries, but. I think you should wait to wait. He's five, already injured, you know, so it's not rooting for an injury. Just wait yeah. and rooting. He comes back yeah. a little later. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for a, an abundance of That's caution uh, from Georgia. A, a grizzly Steven uh, Adams situation. Yeah, yeah. I think that Ole Miss wins. I think that Ole Miss wins because Ole Miss is the better team. Uh, but I get a little nervous. Mm-hmm. It's a night game at Auburn. Uh, you know, Auburn Jesus is a real thing. Especially at the Plains. Uh, it's weird things yeah. happen. But we'll get into yeah. our official predictions here in a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's that's what yeah. I think about it. How do you feel like your Bulldogs are going to hold up this Saturday? Well, the line opened at nine. Arkansas was a, a two and five Arkansas team was a nine point favorite. As of just about uh, two hours ago, it's down to six and a half point line yeah, ESPN's got it they, Caesars has got it yeah six. DraftKings who we use shout out Aaron Timbieran is at six and a half the, again it started at nine Drew I don't know um that was a that was a trap. it was that was a that was a Vegas for thing to pump some money Vegas wanted a bunch of bets on Mississippi State that's that's what scared me about Ole Miss opening up at uh against Alabama at like 12 like they were just begging Ole Miss people to bet on Ole Miss that's what this feels like. I think we are a I think we are a better football team than than Arkansas. Arkansas's bad. They're on a five game losing streak. Sure, they got up and played Alabama, but they are not a good football team. KJ Jefferson is not a not a great quarterback. He's got moments. They're not gonna have Rocket Sanders. He's not gonna play this weekend. That's already been announced. He's not been healthy with that knee and he's not gonna play this weekend. So that makes them very one dimensional. And for Sam Pittman to be a great offensive line coach, their their offensive line is bad. It don't matter. That defense could not stop Kasu Central. Like, Ty, QB1, could go throw for 200 yards against Mississippi State's defense right now. It all depends. Will Rogers, there's some rumors. There's a lot of smoke and rumors about Will Rogers right now, about whether he's going to play, he's whether he's going to even show – like, if he's going to be able to dress. Like, and Arnett's playing it very close to the chest, saying everybody's day-to-day. But Woody Marks, from what I've heard, is going to be back. He tweeted out some kind of – cryptic stuff today and some rumors that I've been reading and hearing about is that Woody Marks is going to be good to go. This could be Mike Wright's chance. Um, I think there's a reason Mike Wright hadn't played, and we saw some of that against Western Michigan in those final few drives. Is there potential there? Yes. Like, State has to win either at Arkansas or at Auburn in the next two weeks if we're going to, like we talked about last week, if we're going to make a bowl game and Zach Arnett's going to keep his job. The jury's still out about whether or not I want that to happen. Spoiler alert, I don't. But regardless, um, I think we can win this football game. I think that if we come back healthy, I swear to God, if Matt Brock, and here we go, see, watch here, this the tell, here it is. I swear to God, if Matt Brock is calling defense on Saturday, like, there's going to be a revolt. Like, this just, like, you cannot continue. The defense is, this is like 2008 bad. This is like 2015 bad. Like, this is an awful Mississippi State defense. 
we've got to, something's got to change. If that doesn't change, we're fisting to lose out except for Southern and then Zach Arnett is gone and we get, get our wish. But as a fan of Mississippi State, like that's obviously I'm going to root for us to win and I want us to be competitive. And I think there's a road to six and maybe seven wins, but they've shown me nothing to give me a ton of hope. They really haven't. So do I think we can? The loser of this game will go 0-8. and 100%. 100%. I would agree with that. There is nothing left to play for. Both of these teams are getting up for this yep. one game and will quit. Yeah, I mean, again, because we play at Auburn, and that's a, that's always a tough place to play. Yeah, you play Kentucky, A&M, and, and Kentucky Miss. being at home helps us. Kentucky's bad it on the road. It doesn't matter if they're – You're right. That's when y'all are evenly matched, the home team yeah. wins. This is not an evenly matched This is a bad team. Mississippi State team. Now, Kentucky's not a world beater by any means. But, but. – all they got to do is get Ray Davis going, and he'll just run for 200. It'll be Florida yeah. all over again. But, I, yeah, I agree. Right. We are playing for our football lives. If we lose to Arkansas this weekend, then I am officially going to be talking about Mississippi State basketball from henceforth um, on this podcast. But I just don't feel good about it, man. I think we can beat them, but what Mississippi can do and what they do do are often very different things. It's a lot of doo-doo. Huh? Yeah. These are often very different things. <laughs> what they do do is it's doo-doo. doo-doo. Oh, in big <laughs> games. Like, this feels very much like a game that we can win, and then we're going to go out and just, just, just take a dump in Fayetteville and just get beat. So, yeah. thankfully, I will say this. Feel like- it is nice that we are playing in Fayetteville. We never play good in Little Rock at War Memorial. I was there my junior year when Darren McFadden and Felix Jones rushed for about 1,000 yards at War Memorial. We don't play well there, so I'm kind of glad it's in Fayetteville. They did that against everybody. Fair. It didn't matter. That like uh, Darren McFadden and Pat White at West Virginia are the two fastest humans I've ever seen in person, and yeah. but like it didn't, anyway, I'm getting distracted. I'm thankful it's in Fayetteville, not Little Rock. That gives us a bit of a chance. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I mean, we sure, play better in Fayetteville, Fayetteville than Little no, Rock. You, listen, Fayetteville is a chaotic place if they think they got a chance yeah. to win. And for the that being like, I trust KJ Jefferson more than I trust whoever plays quarterback for Mississippi State, and that game's in Fayetteville. That's why I'm picking Arkansas. Well, we speaking of, let's go ahead real quick. Yeah. Last week I went uh, two and four. Drew went oh, three five. and three last week. I got okay, – we still get That's it. I got uh, <laughs> Tennessee and Missouri. Drew got Tennessee, LSU, and Missouri. Missed on the rest of them. Drew is sitting at 500. You are 17 and 17 for the year, sir. We still gamble, um, baby. And then I've got 13, right? So I'm only four behind in the right category, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, Drew, you want to give me – you got your four playoff teams for this week? Oh, we're going to do that Let's now? Let's do that now, uh, and then we'll yeah. do our picture next week, and then we'll do fantasy and wrap this thing up. All right, let me – While you uh, do that, I've got mine right here. I'll go ahead and go first. And Okay, you go ahead and do yours. So, I'm going to look up the standings. Um, so, for me, I've got – number one is not going to change. Number one is still going to be uh, Florida State. Until they lose, they're still my number one team. They they had an impressive win this past week, 41-6, to really flexed against – uh, Syracuse to win that football game. I think they're my number one team. Uh, number two is Michigan for the same reasons. Like Michigan, until they lose, they're going to beat the absolute breaks off of Michigan State this weekend. Michigan's defense is incredible. They're playing really, really good football. Um, I think Georgia is my number three team. They didn't look great against Vanderbilt. They didn't like. They didn't have a, a, a just a convincing win against a bad Vanderbilt team, but um, they won. That's sufficient. And then for me, for the first time in my top four, if you beat one of my top four teams, you'll be in my top four. And I'm going to the Washington Huskies at number four for beating Oregon. Yeah, so that looks a lot like my list. Uh, number one is Florida State uh, for reasons I've said every week and the reasons you just said. They just keep continuing to flex their muscles. 
they've got a big game against Duke this week. It's Duke's homecoming game. Uh, or maybe it's Florida State's homecoming game. It's one of their homecoming games. Where's the game uh, I'm at? I'm looking right now. It is at Florida State. It's at uh, Duke Campbell, so it's okay, Florida so State's homecoming. Yeah. Florida State's homecoming game. They're playing Duke. Uh, if Riley Leonard comes back, that game is going to be much watched TV. If he doesn't, then it's just another lopsided win. Florida State's my number one team. Number two is Michigan. They just beat another team by 45 points. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. again, Convincing. they're not playing anybody yet. They have a three-game um, schedule coming up. Like, their schedule is three yeah, games. The, the last, last three, three games, games of the year. year. Yeah. Yeah. At Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State That's at home. That's uh, So, until then, Michigan will probably stay number two yep. for me unless Florida State yeah. loses. Uh, Washington, number three. Uh, they have an absolutely incredible win. The best win of the year. The best game I've watched of the year 100%. so far. That game was incredible. It was impressive. And, honestly – I would consider putting Oregon number four yeah. because because of how good that game was. However, I am going to stay consistent. Uh, I'm going to uh, put Oklahoma number That's four pick, again. Man. They had a bye week this week. Uh, still kind of riding high over that Texas win. They've got a conference mm-hmm. game this week against UCF. Remember, yep. they're in the in the Big Twelve now. Uh, then they've got Kansas at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, West Virginia at home, BYU, another conference game, <laughs> yeah. TCU. Their schedule looks pretty fair, especially if Kansas doesn't get Jalen Daniels mm-hmm. back. Their schedule looks good. Uh, Bedlam is always going to be weird. weird. They play that on the road, but Oklahoma State's not very yeah, they good. Got, they got beat by uh, somebody. The schedule, yeah, uh, Oklahoma State's gotten beaten by a few yeah. people. Uh, they got beat by Iowa State and South Alabama, yeah. remember, 33-7. Yeah. to seven. So by the hey, Jags speaking of Oklahoma, dude, that linebacker Stutzman, did you see the shirt that he got Brett Venables to wear? Um, so before the no, like Oklahoma, like you know, we've we're very pro hype videos on this podcast, and there was yes. this incredible hype, hype video that came out around Oklahoma beating Texas, and it started with Stutzman's pregame speech that inside linebacker number twenty eight for Oklahoma, and it ended with him saying like. I don't care what you got. You remember last year, what that felt like, and you fixed that this year. Oklahoma fears God. Texas fears Oklahoma, and they just go nuts and go on the field. Oh, and so they great. got it on a shirt, and him and Venables are wearing that's this shirt. That's what Venables said? No, that's, that's what, what Stutzman the, said. Oh, that's but, what the linebacker yeah. said. Wow, that's a and good And so line. Stutzman got it on a T-shirt and got Venables to wear it in a, in a uh, Twitter picture, and it says, Oklahoma fears God, Texas fears Oklahoma. And I'm like, dude, I want oh, one wow. of those. <laughs> yeah, that's a great shirt. That's a great Yeah, line. it's incredible. That's like, I still I get, got chills, I, man. I hate Ooh. Hugh Freeze. I hate Hugh Freeze, but every time I see the clip of him pregame at that first Alabama game, that 2014, the Katy Perry game, college game mm-hmm. day, when he said, you know, we've worked all year for this. We're going to go out in the vault. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to pick yeah. a fight. You know, like, yeah. and still I'm just a, Yeah, gets I'm a sucker for the lines yeah. like that. Big, That's incredible. Big, we're big hype yeah. video guys. Big hype video podcast. Go look it up, man. Uh, when he's lo- Love post-game mm. press conferences. Yeah, love, love Kirby. <laughs> love love Kirby Smart's yeah. pregame speeches about you just go out and beat those. You know what? So, I mean, anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. That TCU, <sighs> that TCU pregame oh. speech was not something you play. But it's church. something that you play when you're having a yeah. tough day and you just get at it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's our top four. That's our Mount Rushmore of college football this week. Real quick on our picks before we get into fantasy football and wrap this baby up. Uh, great episode, man. This is fun. Um, yeah. 
So we got seven picks this week. It's a good weekend of college football, man. I have I'm gonna do some deer hunting on Saturday and then I'm gonna watch football. Like I have no other plans and I'm here for it because we've got first up in our picks is Penn State at Ohio State. This is one of those like man maker games where you like you just said, you lock the doors and you figure out which which one of you is, a, is the bigger man. Uh-huh. Uh, Penn State is at Ohio State. Ohio State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. In a, in a series, it, it feels like Ohio State has always had the upper hand. Yeah, I feel like but Ohio State is like the team that's got something to prove because since Ryan Day's been there, for some reason, the fans hate him. He can't win the big games. Uh, the Big Ten is a conference that's dominated right now by – Michigan and if you have a shot at making the playoff you've got to go undefeated and you need to beat Michigan or lose to Michigan and only have one loss so I mean this is a must win game it's really a must win for for either either team if you want to stay in the playoff um I hate how how the pack um the big 10 it seems like all their marquee games are at 11 a.m like this game needs to be like a night game at the whiteout mm-hmm. game at Penn State or something like. Uh, I don't I don't really have a gauge. They both start like relatively new quarterbacks. You've got the uh, Aller kid at Penn State and Luke and the McCord guy at Ohio State. I just don't really know much about them. Listen I know to this: Penn State's defense is really well, and, good. and take that with a grain yeah. of salt because Penn State's last five games was a win versus UMass, a win at Northwestern, a win versus Iowa. Illinois and Delaware. Ohio State's well, the I mean, only one with a decent game. They've won at Purdue against Maryland, at Notre Dame in primetime, Western Kentucky and Youngstown yeah. State. So the only like legit team yeah. there is Notre Dame. They're definitely more mm-hmm. tested. Uh I could argue that Ohio State should have a loss. Sure. I feel like that's a fact. Yeah, and I would have had them I would Notre be Dame, one yeah. point closer. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be one game back with 500. <laughs> uh, give me Ohio State at home. What did you say the line was? Four and a half. It feels – I mean, it's a it's barely a above a push. So, Yeah. Give me Ohio State at home. Like you said, they have been tested. It is at home. Um, and I feel like Ohio State's got the most to prove, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. In some kind of weird way, the blue blood of Ohio State has got – chip on their yeah. shoulder but i think they do i think that's real. all day long i have myself like trying to talk myself into penn state because like i I just like I, I don't really buy ohio state but i don't buy penn state big joe paterno yeah fan. yeah uh jerry sandusky you know all about it I, he's kidding I guys. that's a joke <laughs> um but i just can't man ryan day has a team playing with a chip on their shoulder this feels like a game they're gonna go out and just lean on penn state and james franklin is just notorious for not winning those big games um He'll, his team will come into the Michigan or Ohio State game on a major run and then just get the doors blown off of them. And so I'm going Ohio State. I think they win. I think they cover. I I, I don't know that this game's 10 points. I, I think this game's – I think Ohio State wins flexing their muscles. Okay. And then and then I think Ryan Day right. calls out Lou Holtz again after the game. Where you at, Lou Holtz? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he been asleep since That's six, it, brother. brother. He, he, he'll just be waking up for this game. Um, all right, next up, we've got uh, the third Saturday in October. is back on the third Saturday in October, which is where it should be. University of Tennessee at Alabama. Alabama's a nine-point home favorite, and I think that's a, I think Alabama wins this game by ten points. I'm going to take Alabama at home. Their defense is figuring out. I don't trust Joe Milton. I watched him play against A&M some. Yeah. He was not good, man. He's, just, he's got a massive arm, 
but he's super but inaccurate. But they don't use it. No, they they don't throw yeah. down the field. He's very inaccurate yeah. underneath. And when they do go deep, his receivers got butterfingers. Like they can't catch. So it's a yeah. bad combination in Alabama where they struggle on offense. They don't on defense. And so I think Alabama wins this game and covers. Yeah, I feel like this team is like Tennessee is like light Alabama mm-hmm. right now because they both have super athletic quarterbacks who can't really throw the ball. But Tennessee doesn't let Joe Milton do anything other than sit in right. the pocket. Alabama at least lets um, Milrow run around name? a little bit. Milrow, Jalen Milrow run around. So give me Alabama. Give me the nine points. Uh, it's at uh, Tennessee this Mm-mm, this year. Which I mean, no, I'm sorry. Yep. It's at Alabama this year. Uh, nothing would be funnier than for Tennessee to beat sure. them again. You know, but it ain't happening. If I if if there's one team, there's one person on this podcast that knows what it takes to beat Alabama twice in a row. Yeah. It's me. It ain't me. It's been since '07. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and so I I'm rooting for Tennessee just like I was rooting for A and M last week. You know, I I or Arkansas. You know, I need Alabama mm-hmm. to lose. I mean, just plain and yeah. simple, I need Alabama to lose twice. Yeah. You know, Arkansas didn't do the job. A&M didn't do the job. It's got to be Tennessee now. And so I don't think they will for the sake of my gambling. I think give me Alabama plus nine. I feel like you said this game feels a lot like a, you know, Mm 31-14, you know, 31-27, something like that. Yeah, I don't think this – I don't think it's close. I really don't. Uh, next up, and I feel like we'll both kind of be very bullish on Missouri here. We got South Carolina at Missouri. Missouri's a seven-point home favorite. Give me the Tigers. So, oh, you're only getting seven? Me, yeah, give me the Tigers, Tigers all day, we'll make twice it on Saturdays. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. next up, this one's interesting because it's you know, there's a chance that Utah gets their quarterback, but Utah plays at USC. USC's coming off of that embarrassing loss against Notre Dame. Caleb Williams did not look like the future number one draft pick. No. And they are a seven-point home favorite against a Utah team that is historically scrappy, punches USC in the mouth, and finds a way to win. So, uh, I personally, I'm taking Utah. I don't believe in USC anymore. I think USC wins. I'm not taking Utah outright, but it's a seven-point spread. I think it's a close game. This one's like 46-43 or 49-48. Um, I, I – Give me the Utes. I just feel good about the Utes as the underdog. Again, I don't know that they can win, but I think they'll lose by less than seven. Give me Utah. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess uh, he's hurt again. Yeah. The, the uh, Johnson kid's been playing a lot more recently, not the yeah. other kid, and I'm blanking on his name well, right no, now. No, they've got a in – the, in the last game against Cal, it was Bryson Barnes yeah. who got the – who got the snaps? Uh, went twelve, uh, fifteen of twenty-one for one twenty-eight, no touchdowns, no picks. What's that kid's name? Cam Riser. Uh, Cam Rising. Cam, Cam Rising is their that's Cam their Rand. stud quarterback. And if he's back, then this game's not even close. I mean, that guy can flat play. Um, I, I don't know. Listen, the thing is, the thing with USC is they can't stop that's anybody. It. If you get in a hole, then you've got to throw your way out of it. And it only compounds the issue when you can't stop anybody, and that's what happened against yep. Notre Dame. They they couldn't stop Notre Dame. Their offense couldn't keep their foot on the gas long enough to make it a 55-50 to 50 game. Uh, they just petered mm-hmm. out. I think USC gets back on track. Give me USC. I know that Utah is scrappy. I know that they've got a culture there that's tough and, and that plays well in huge games like this. But with as much – shuffling as they've had with their quarterback with cam rising coming back can he come back and play 100 percent cam rising football if so i'm kind of with you 
but yeah. I think it's going to take a home run effort from you. Well, and it looks like this afternoon, of, it looks like Rising is not going to play, that they're considering a medical yeah. red shirt. Oh, so, you know, he's had to play less than four yeah. games. Or four games well, he hadn't played, Yeah, he so. barely has played any. Yeah. Um, and here's yeah. yeah, here's the stat to kind of prove your point. Uh, Utah's only given up like 270 yards a game. They're giving up 66 yards rushing. Like, their defense is legit. USC's defense has given up 400 Awful. yards a game. Four bills. But can an offense with a backup quarterback keep up with USC's offense? They put up 20, yeah. 31, 14, 7, and 34. So, maybe not. Yeah. So, anyways, yep. I'm I'm sticking with USC on that Next one. Next up, Duke at Florida State. Florida State is a 14.5-point home favorite at homecoming. Yeah, this is totally dependent on player. Riley Leonard. You know, uh, Vanilla Vic, as the streets are calling yeah. him. Uh, I uh, I like Florida State. We're both going to pick Florida State here, I'm yep. sure. It doesn't seem like Riley Leonard's going to play. Uh, it's a game-time decision, but even so, with a high ankle sprain like that, you know mobility is limited, and that's part of what makes Riley Leonard who he is, is he is dynamic in the run yeah. game. And so, give, give me Florida State. They're going to win big. Yeah. It's homecoming, not that that really matters to the football players, but um, I think Florida State wins. I think they win. I, and this is nothing against Duke. Like, I think Duke is a very good football team. I think it might be close no, early. Job, I think this yeah. is a game that Florida State just leans on them because they've got more dogs and they pull away late. Got that dog in them. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Florida State by more than two touchdowns. And I think Duke has a really good chance of finishing with two, maybe three losses because they got North Carolina in a couple weeks. But um, they don't and win I, on Saturday. I really – I do wish – Part of me wishes that, uh, well, Duke North Carolina could be a really awesome game if North Carolina if Duke wins. Yeah, this game. game day would be there, man. You know, you know they would. Yeah, it would be a real. You got the Tobacco Road and <sighs> you talk you about know, a scene. that rivalry, and, which yeah. they have a lot. Like Duke has Florida State on the road or on the road, then they play at Louisville next week, home for Wake Forest, and then Duke North Carolina is November the eleventh. So we got a couple weeks in there. When's North Carolina Florida State? Uh, they don't play unless they play in the ACC championship game. Okay. They don't play this year. Okay. So. Um, Different yeah. to me. Next up, you've already made your pick here. You've already made your, your take. You're taking Ole Miss at six and a half yeah. um, at Auburn. Yeah, I'm taking Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is better, and I'm only going to pick the teams that I think are better. Chaos, you know, I am a little nervous about things other than football getting in the way and, you know, just just kind of voodoo kind yeah. of thing. We know when you're going to play at Auburn, uh, it's historically not a mm-hmm. good place to go if you're an Ole Miss yep. fan. Uh, but – I'm picking the better team, and I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, ask 100 people, 100 people will tell you Ole Miss is better, and I'm just going to pick the better team. If this line was 10, 12, 13, oh, I'd, I'd pick, pick Auburn. Auburn. I'd pick Auburn. But at six and a half, I'm taking Ole Miss all day. Ole Miss is, is at yeah. least 10 points better than this team. Um, I feel like this game is going to resemble a lot of the Arkansas game. Yeah. You know, where it was kind of back and forth. I hope Ole Miss's offense plays a little better. <laughs> One of the most bass backwards things I've heard of in a long time is that in a practice on a bye week, Ole Miss's most consistent receiver, Jordan Watkins, breaks his mm-hmm. hand. Uh, they say he's going to play, but, I mean, how yeah. effective. I mean, he is the safety valve. He is the trusty yeah. one. You know, Trey Harris is the headliner, but Mr. Consistent is Jordan Watkins. Uh, so it really stinks that he breaks his hand on a bye week at practice. Um 
But if you tell me this is a struggle, I believe it. Yeah, because the uh, one thing Auburn can do is they play half. defense. They can play defense fairly well. Yeah. They can't score. If this turns into a track meet, then Ole Miss is then it's forty eight to six. Like there's no way they can continue to keep up with yeah, it. But like, yeah, it's one of those games. That if it's a blowout, it's an Ole Miss mm-hmm. blowout. But if if Auburn's going to win, they're going to have to win. It's going to be in the mud. Like Arkansas mm-hmm. tried to do, but it, I don't think know? they can. And we've already talked about this. We won't belabor it a whole lot more. I'm taking State. I think you're taking Arkansas. Yeah, I'm taking at Arkansas. Arkansas six and a half points. Um, those can be some deciding games for us. But I'm riding with my dogs. I hope that we can we can find a way. Yeah, for the, for the Mississippi State, it's like you're coming off a of bye week, but then the week before that was a was a loss to uh, who did y'all play the week before the bye week? Uh, we beat. Uh, Western, you know, we beat Western Michigan. That's right. That's right. It was a loss to Alabama, then Western Michigan, then a bye, mm-hmm. and then uh, Arkansas. And Arkansas is coming off of a physical. If there's a moral victory sure. there, you got it at Brian yeah. Denny last week, and so then they're getting yeah. them at home. So that's kind of where I yeah. land. And that's all we were going to talk about this week, right? Like that's it. We're done. Uh, we were going to talk fantasy, weren't we? I didn't think we were. Were we? Did you is it, oh you got your first loss? I don't week. remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the standings, uh, fantasy football has been so bad this year. Have you kind of felt this way? Both of our teams are really yes. good in the League of Avengers. We're one of we are two of three teams that are five and one yeah. with with Hunter, who you played yep. this week, right? Yep. Uh, and so uh, I just feel like it's been very bad. The waiver <sighs> wire. We're in a twelve team league. The waiver wire just stinks. stinks. It's Not so good. it's putrid. We've got to get down to a 10-team league in the League of Avengers next year. Uh, But in the meantime, it's just – I looked at the scoreboard. Uh, The highest-scoring game last week – let me pull it up real quick. The highest-scoring game was 129 in weeks where we've had 160s, 180s. Our buddy Zach went to 2-4 and with a 129. Second, I had 124. But you had team with an 88. You had a team with an 89. You had another team with an 88. You had a team with a 94. Like, scoring was so low this week. And in a 12-team league, players are so spread out. Uh, so that you can't really stack up a roster. And bye weeks are starting to hit. It's just, it just really yeah. stinks for, for the competitiveness to the point to where, you know, there's not. I can't give a Buddy Stevens award to anybody, no. and I really can't give an award for most points in a loss because that would be like a hundred points, and the well, biggest margin of victory was like yeah. thirty. I mean, it's just not. I feel like it's a disgrace to the oh, reward to the award to Buddy yeah. Stevens. Yeah, I mean, Al Gore I scored a, to issue awards. This I scored one hundred and five points in a loss to a team that scored one hundred and nineteen, but he hadn't broke a hundred in like four weeks. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, I'm just going to run down the standings for everybody. Uh, in the we've got two divisions. It's Marvel and DC. Uh, pretty predictable here. Uh, Rusty and I sit atop the Marvel League. I'm one tied for first with Rusty. Uh, the determining factor is points four. I've got Rusty by 36 <coughs> points and points four. Uh, I've also had 75 more points scored against me. So cu- Rusty has just had a cupcake yeah. schedule. Uh, it's a two-dog race in our division. Uh, number three, uh, tied for third, is three teams at two and four with Andrew and Dr. Patrick Jones and uh, Jordan Woodruff. Uh, then Neezy got his first win of the year. Congratulations. Well, Neezy went to one and five. 
uh, on the bottom half of the bracket, the DC bracket, our buddy Hunter Shaw is five and one. He is killing it. Uh, if it's a tiebreaker right now, points four. He is the only team with over eight hundred points four. Like I said, I'm leading the Marvel division at seven sixty eight. He's at eight twenty eight. Uh, he's also only had 632 points scored against him. That's 30 points more than Rusty. Like I said, Rusty's a cupcake schedule. Um, <coughs> outside of him, Michael Mutters, uh, I dropped him to 4-2 and two this week. I beat him this week. And then uh, you've got Justin Lumpkin and our friend Aaron Ivey at 3-3. Three and three. Friend of the podcast, Zach Jones at 2-4, and four, tied with Cousin Kirk at 2-4. and four. Uh Aaron, for I feel like the second year in a row, has the worst offense. He's the only team in the 500s in points four at 559. How in the world he's won three games is beyond me. Well, he got you know, a crap effort from my uh, team this past week. That's why he got that win. And then I get to play Hunter, who's, who's scored 828 points this week. It's not going to yeah. be pretty, I don't so, think. And uh, bye weeks are hitting me at a tough time. And Debo, we can't can't make a mind we're going to do a George Kittle out in San Francisco. He'll go 17-1, 17-1. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we had uh, we had a good week. We're gonna look at playoff percentages. Uh, Hunter Shaw leads with eighty-seven percent. I'm at seventy-nine. You're at seventy-seven. This is a four-team playoff, so naturally it kind of drops off after this. But uh, Michael Mutters, the Kuman Torch, fifty-two uh, percent from there, thirty-eight for Lump. Uh, everybody else is in the teens uh, or lower. So. Uh, that's where we're at right now. Um, that's where the League of Avengers is at. Hopefully scoring gets up this week, but not for teams that play me. Uh, this week I play uh, Cousin Kirk, who is ravaged by buys and injury. Uh, should be an easy win. You have got uh, Gotham City Knights. Hunter, Hunter I get the buzz saw. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So one of y'all is going to drop down, and I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's our League of Avengers. That's what we've got for tonight. Russ, you got anything you want to add to this podcast before we go nah, off? Nah, man, end? I'm excited about, you know, as, as much as we like college football, we do. We're passionate about our, our teams, man. I'm fired up at the NBA season and, and excited to see where that goes and looking forward to some Grizz talk in the next few months. So, enjoy it, buddy. Tell them where they can find us, and we'll put a bow on this, baby. Wrap this thing in maroon and white, as as one might say. Fine. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not participating in, with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, number two, uh, number two Bucks Sports Pod on Instagram. That's where you can find us. Rusty's going to put up some polls. We're going to, uh, we always like to hear from you guys, like for you to participate with you guys in the form of polls and Instagram questions to fill in the blanks, kind of stuff like that. And so, uh, until that time, next uh, week we'll have you another podcast. And until then. See ya. Enjoy it, brother. We'll see y'all next week. See you guys.